Hey, 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 folks, welcome back. Another great episode zooming in from the Niagara region of Ontario. We've got a real estate entrepreneur, Sean Rea, who is also a mutual friend. We've got a good mutual friend, Gary Hibbert. Gary's the guy that kind of got us connected here. And Sean's doing something interesting. So in addition to investing in and around Ontario, he's starting to spread out and go south and do deals, I believe, in Belize. So interested to hear about that. Sean, welcome to the show. Great to see you. Thank you very much for having me. Um, I'm excited to talk about, you know, my my adventures in real estate and my journey. Well, hey, let's that's the perfect lead in. Let's jump right in. What got you to this wild and crazy world of real estate in the first place? When did you get started uh, and why? So I started back in 2013. Um, I had read the book Rich Dad Poor Dad, which is that's so common in our network that so many people, it's like the gateway book to real estate. And um, I had read that, it changed my mindset on what I was doing with my money, essentially. So it, it led me to realize that I need to focus on um, building an asset column. And I didn't have any. So that's, that's what started me. And I bought my first property in 2013. Yeah, and just did. kept growing, kept growing from there. Um, you know, basically, and work, 10 work years. Wise, what were you, what were you doing in addition to real estate at that time? I wasn't, I was uh, in it. So I had started in it basically fresh out of school. Um, I was in that career already for going at that time. I was in it for almost six years. And, mm-hmm. um, just as I was working it salary job career, kept keeping me busy nine to five. In the evenings um, and weekends, I was basically buying properties and renovating them and doing the burr the burr method on them. And I did that silently in the background. I didn't let my coworkers know what I was doing. Many of my friends didn't know, and I didn't even have a network back then, ten years ago. So it was I was a lone wolf in it. Why? Why the big secret? Why keeping things so close to your chest? I I didn't have a reason. I think. I think to be honest, I, I didn't know what I was doing and I didn't know anybody else that was doing it. So uh-huh. I was, I was just kind of doing it on my own. And I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't grow fast, like 2013 to 2016. I didn't buy, I only bought one property mm-hmm. and, um, Wait, were you doing 20- a lot of the work yourself or yeah. Yeah. Well, that would, I was, that would explain it. <laughs> yeah. So I was, I was learning, like I, I didn't know how to do renovations. And so I was teaching myself how to do it and, and hiring some contractors to help me out with certain things. And, um, I did my first, my first property, um, refinance three years after I owned it. And I bought my second triplex in 2016. And that's where I realized, Hey, this is, this is actually like life-changing because I went from having um, just a property that paid my mortgage that I was living in. Oh, so you, um, so the first burry, you kind of house hacked that one. I that? house hacked it. Got yeah. It. So mm-hmm. I house hacked it. And then I moved into the second property and house hacked that, but I went oh. from having like really just one rental unit that covered my mortgage to having, um, it would have been one, two, three, four. So I went from one unit to four units on just one, like moving once. And that's where I realized the impact of how powerful it is to invest in real estate. Because at first I was covering one mortgage, but then I was covering two mortgages and making a thousand dollar profit while I had my job. Well, and yeah, was, and and living for free, getting paid to live free. in your own house. Yeah, so that was the that was the fire that lit in me, and I'm like, okay, like how can I really um, 
how can I really excel and like do this quicker yeah. and buy more, more properties as fast as I can. And so I, that's when I started digging into networks in 2016, 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I connected actually on bigger pockets. I actually mm-hmm. went on to bigger pockets, which was big in the U S at the time. It had actually just kind of started around then. And, um, in Canada, at least there weren't many people in Canada that were on bigger pockets. And I found a guy that was in Ontario on bigger pockets. He was a mortgage broker. I reached out to him and he had 15 rental units. So divided up between like four or five, six properties, he had 15 units and he was a little bit younger than me. And he was the guy that I went to and he's like, Sean, I can help you get another two, three properties this year if you want to. And I did it. And then nice. I just, and then 2018, 2019, 2020, I, I, I got to about 40 units uh, by 2020 by COVID. Congratulations. That's awesome, right? That's right before the huge spike. So I'm sure those properties are worth a few more bucks than they were when you first purchased them, even in spite of the the forced depreciation you did with the burrs. I'm, I'm sure you've done very well with those. So what, what's been, have you self-managed all of those properties? Have you been your own property manager all the way along? Yeah, until um, 20. So until COVID hit. So mm-hmm. what happened was, you know, I was in my nine to five COVID hit, I was self managing the 40 units approximately. Um, and then COVID hit, and I, I got laid off. And so I had all this time to myself. And I kind of like self reflect on like, hey, what is it that I want to do? Do I really want to do this nine to five? You know, I like my job, it pays decent, I like my boss. But do I really see myself here for like the next 30 years? Yeah. Or, or can I try and figure out how to use this ass, these assets, leverage it and find a way out because I was already making decent cash flow. Um, so I actually, I ended up, um, reaching out to my contractor that was doing the burst for me at the time for almost three years now, he'd been doing all my units and I offered him the opportunity to partner with me and open up a property management business where he would manage all the properties and I would bring clients in to grow our client client base. And so we, about a year and a half ago, uh, almost two years ago now, we, we opened a property management business that he manages, he's hands-on, I'm hands-off on it. And, um, and so I handed off all the properties to, to the business. And how many more did you add since then? In Canada, in the last two years, um, I haven't purchased anything since we've had this like- um, Oh, no, I meant, you know, I meant to the property management business because oh, 40 doors 50, is not enough to, to really float a management yeah. company. but. Yeah, we have 50 units that we're managing outside of my portfolio. Oh, in addition to, so 90 altogether. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Now, let's talk a little bit about, you know, that rapid growth. I'm suspecting that at some point you hit the wall with cash and credit to do all of these on your own. Yes. Did you start raising capital, working with joint venture partners? How did that look, Sean? Yeah. So the very first um, partnership that I did was actually the the guy that I reached out to on Bigger Pockets, the other Canadian guy. Um, I was telling him what we were doing, and he he was the one who actually introduced me to JVs because I I didn't know about that, right? Mm-hmm. So he said, "Hey, like, did you realize that you know you can partner with somebody else if you find a good enough deal? Um, you know, they might have the money, you don't have the money, and you can kind of work together to to put a deal together if you don't mm-hmm. have the financing." So. He, he kind of, you know, he coached me on that. And what ended up happening was I found this really good fourplex. Um, now, this is going back to 2018. I found this really good fourplex and I, I put an offer on it, which was like full asking price. And it was only on the market for maybe two hours. And at the same time, another offer came in and it was it was over asking and they accepted it with no conditions. And what ended up happening was I called my mortgage broker, who was the guy that I met. And I said, man, like you wouldn't believe this. I found this great fourplex and I put an offer on it. It was such a good deal. It cash flows so well. 
And um, somebody else beat me to it. And it was only like on the market for less than six hours total by the time they accepted the second offer. And he says, he says, was it this address? Yeah. And I say, yeah. And he goes, I got it under contract. <laughs> he goes, son of a God. <laughs> and so that ended up being my first joint venture. We, we, we decided to JV on it because we oh, both that wanted was, it. That's very cool. So how did you, how did that one work out? Did you each put in some cash or, or how did that particular JV happen? Yeah. So, so that one, um, I got the financing because I was already pre-approved for it. And he put in a little bit more capital than I did because I took the financing and I put a little less capital on the down payment. And then, um, and then we actually never renovated it and we still own that property today. We, we never renovated it, but, um, we did buy it at such a good price that we were able to refinance it about a year later and get all of our money out plus an extra hundred thousand. Very nice. So then moving ahead, scaling ahead, did you do a whole bunch more joint ventures? Is that the idea? And who did you do them with? Yeah. So the first guy that I did a JV with, um, the next property that we bought, we ended up JVing together. We did it differently. He actually got the financing himself. And then uh, we split the the down payment um, in a different way. It wasn't like everyone brought the, it wasn't one person brought all the cash. Um, I think we just split it up in a different way. And then we did another deal. I did another deal with him as well, where I found the deal and it was such a good deal that he got the financing and he put the down payment and paid for the renos. Um, but it was just, it was one of those deals where he was like, I need to be on this. And, yeah. um, and it worked, it worked out really well. We ended up, uh, we ended up buying a fourplex for like 220,000 in 2019. And, um, six months later it appraised in the like five hundreds and we had only spent maybe a hundred thousand on it, like, uh, in renos. So it, it did really well. So you did a whole bunch of JVs with your, your mortgage broker. Did you start bringing on other people after a while as yes. well? And, and how did you kind of find these other additional joint venture partners? Yeah. So truthfully, um, I got invited onto some podcasts after I had done about two or three successful burrs. Um, I got invited into some podcasts and then I started having this, um, this like outreach of people that were messaging me saying, Hey, Sean, like I've actually been looking at the Niagara region. I'm interested in looking at properties there. If you find a deal, I'd be interested in being your money partner on it. And nice. so that opened up, it opened up some doors for me and I was actually able to, to line up maybe three, four, five JV partners at the same time that were just kind of waiting for me to find the deals. And so when I did, I just reached out to them and they had the financing pre-approved, they had the deposit ready. And then I would be the active partner who would go in and manage the property, do the renovations, get it tenanted. And then we would go back, they would, re- they would refinance it, they would get all their money out and then we would split the profits and we stayed 50-50 um, equity partners on it. And most of those properties we still own, we, we really haven't gotten rid of any of them. So yeah, why would we own- you if they're gas yeah, so- flowing? Yeah. We, we own pretty much all of them still. And that's how I grew the portfolio exponentially because we were able to buy three, four or five properties a year doing it that way. Yeah. Very, very smart. That's cool, Sean. So now you're starting to do stuff down South. Walk us through your thought process there. I, I imagine the go-go days of, of buying three plexes and four plexes in Ontario is getting a little, a little bit more difficult to make those make sense. So what, what's going on with you and the portfolio now? So in 2019, um, I was sitting on the beach with a friend in, um, in the Caribbean and he said to me, Sean, I'd love to buy a piece of land in the Caribbean one day. And I said, so would I. And, and he said, do you think we could buy something um, when we get back? Maybe we'll look online and see if there's anything. I said, sure. And we shook on it. I went, went back and I did a little research on YouTube and I looked up Canadians buying real estate in the Caribbean and Belize was the first country that came up. 
And so I reached out to realtors and I found a piece of land for $20,000 US at that time in 2019 on this little island called Ambergris Key, which is off the coast of Belize. So I called the realtor, he showed me, you know, whatever I needed to see. I did my due diligence and looked at the comps, the market and um, called my friend up and I said, I have this for $20,000. Do you want to pay the $10,000 each and we buy it? He said, yeah, we bought the piece of land sight unseen without ever being to Belize. COVID hit 2020. Yeah. And, uh, and we, we had planned to go, we didn't end up going because of COVID, but then I started doing research because I had financial interest now on the island. And I realized that there were other people acquiring these same pieces of land around at the same time. And even at that point for about 40, $45,000. So I realized that there was a, there was a market gap and they didn't have an MLS system. So I started reaching out to all the realtors that I could on the island. And I started buying those same pieces of land for like 10,000, 11,000, 12,000, 13,000. I bought seven in 2020 and then I bought 15 more in 2021. Wow. And um, I really kind of took advantage of the market because the tourism was down. The people that were living on the island went back to the mainland. There was no business. People were selling land for cheap. Yeah. Um, and, and then end of 2021, I traveled there, saw all the stuff I had, and I kind of went all in and I started buying houses and condos and everything really quickly there. Um, and I actually leveraged my properties here. So I went and refinanced them in 2021, pulled out equity and I started buying everything cash in Belize. Yeah. Cause it's tough to get financing in, in certain parts of the, the Caribbean for sure. Right. So yes, exactly. Nice. So what's, so you got a whole bunch of vacant land, you got some condos, you got some houses. Is it all on that Island? Is, is that be focused? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. So you really got that dialed in for that particular yeah. market in Belize. Yeah. yeah. So I, I would say 90 up until this year, 90% was on the Island. Um, uh, this year though, I actually went off the Island and I bought a house on the mainland, um, which is just a personal home. It wasn't really an investment. It was more of like a lifestyle purchase, mm -hmm. but I still bought it at 50% of market value. Um, but I'm just keeping it for myself. It won't really make a return um, until I sell it. And then um, the big project that we're working on now is I realize that there's a lot of money in land development. So you can buy large tracts of land, like 50 acres, 100 acres, and you can, um, you can go through the process of doing subdivisions and getting approvals for them, doing site plans, and then getting them parceled out into hundreds of pieces of land. And then you can sell those pieces of land individually. Mm -hmm. And so that's the big project that we're working on right now. We're, we're turning 120 acres into about 500 pieces of land. So you've already got the 120 acres, you've purchased that and now you're yes. subdividing it. Very now we're going cool. through the subdivision process. It'll take us a while. It's going to be like a year to two years till it's done. Um, but we're, we're working on it and, uh, and then we'll be selling, selling those off. What are some of the challenges that you've come across when it, when it comes to investing in Belize? Um, the challenges really are getting to know the market and it's yeah. hard to really get your, get a good understanding unless you're there, because I see, I see it happen a lot that foreigners will buy just the way I did where I bought sight unseen. I never went, I just kind of trusted the agent, which is okay. If you find like, maybe you find, you know, you find one agent and you buy a piece of land is 10, $20,000, but I see it happen with people buying properties that are like 300, $400,000. And they realize, yeah. Hey, like, I don't even like the area where it's in. And that, and then they try to sell it and they realize that the market's not the same. You can't just quickly sell it. It actually takes some time to get to dispose of the asset. Mm -hmm. um, so I see it happen a lot. I guess the, the biggest, the biggest um, challenge is going to be finding properties that are under market value and finding comparables where you can make sure that it actually is under market value. Um, yeah, so there's unless, no MLS there. There's, there's really, no MLS. Getting comps is very, very difficult. 
it is very difficult. So if you can get there and you can work with different realtors who can bring different comps and show you like, this is sold for this, this is sold for this, or, you know, um, basically just kind of guide you in the different pockets of where you should be buying and what the market value really is. And if you get a good grasp for that, then you can arbitrage because you can, you can, uh, we bought a waterfront lot, for example, uh, for like $60,000, like a year and a half ago. And they're selling between like 150 and $200,000. And it's just a raw piece of land, mm -hmm. but it was just arbitrage because you had an agent who, who underlisted it, didn't market it properly. And there were no other comps and the seller was living in Europe and hadn't been to the Island for years. Right. So, so if you can, if you really know the market, you can take advantage of that and take off, you know, those cherries. Yeah. So I think that's the huge huge advantage you've got at this point, Sean, is you, especially that particular Island. I'm, you've got that completely dialed in, you know, you know what the comps are because you bought so much property there. You've got a, yeah. a really good finger on the pulse there. Interesting. All right. So is that becoming your new main focus is, is doing stuff in Belize? Are you still trying to do stuff in Ontario or not so much anymore? So right now with the current interest rates, I'm, I'm looking in Ontario and I, I, I am on all the feeds for, for my local area for Niagara region, mm -hmm. but I can't find anything that's actually cash flowing positive or yeah. even anything that if I turned it around, it would actually make sense for the amount of money that I invest and to be able to refinance it out at such a high interest rate. So, mm -hmm. um, I'm finding it very difficult, which is why I've, I've kind of taken a backseat on it. Now, I'm not I'm not going to dispose of the assets. So I'm not going to liquidate them. I'm going to hold on to them, uh, ride it through. And I think I'm going to continue focusing on Belize, which we're, we're just invested cash. So the interest rates don't really affect us. We yeah. own everything right out and then work on these development projects where we can, you know, we can buy acreages at a price per acre and then sell them at a profit price per acre. Yeah, because I think the nice thing, if I understand what you're doing if I understand properly, is you're doing the subdivision, but you're not building it out. You're getting it kind of shovel ready without yep. putting in all the infrastructure because that's a huge expense, isn't it? Exactly. So the only thing that we're really doing in the development is is creating the roads so that okay. every single lot has road access yeah. um, and then getting them surveyed so they all have their, their lot lines and then mm -hmm. getting titles to them so that we can actually present the owner's physical titles that are that are free and clear that they have um, in their names. So I've got a little bit of experience with properties in Mexico. I've got a little bit of experience with properties in Costa Rica. Sometimes it's like the freaking wild west, you know, trying to figure stuff up out in laws and rules and regulations and language differences. Would it be fair to assume that Belize, because it, was a British colony for so long is a little bit more along the lines of Canada than, than perhaps some of these Spanish based countries. What, what's your it's, take on that? It's very, very similar. Um, and so the, the red tape to buy in Belize is like almost non-existent. If you're a Canadian with a passport, that's enough for you to buy a piece of land or a house in Belize. And um, and you can be a foreigner and own beachfront property, which in a lot of other absolutely. countries can't be. Yeah. Absolutely. You can, and it's and it's fee simple title. So it's the same title that we have here in Canada. You own it outright. You can do what you want with it and you can will it to your children or do whatever you like. It's it's yours free and clear. That's a big advantage. Yeah. Because we're going through <laughs> my mother owned property for years in Mexico. She passed away like 
five years ago now, we're still going through the process of clearing title and all this kind of junk that would, you know, because it's close to the coast. And so you can't own it directly in your name and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's, it's complicated. So it sounds a lot simpler in, in Belize for, for Canadians, for sure, for foreigners. Yes. And it's English speaking. So yeah. it, that there's no, there's no language barrier. So that's their first language is English. Yeah, no, that's wonderful. Well, that's, that's really, really interesting. Sean, Sean, congratulations on, on making the big move and taking massive action. I mean, you've done so much in a short period of time, relatively speaking. So hats off to you for that. If people want to find out more and connect with you, if you had to send them to one place, what would it be? It's going to be Instagram. I'm, I'm very active on Instagram and it's just my name. It's Sean Rea, S-H-A-W-N-R-E-A. Fantastic. Well, Sean, thanks so much for being on the show. It's been a lot of fun, very interesting, and nice to get, get to know you a little bit. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate your time. All right, everybody. Take care. We'll talk to you on the next episode.